0: and turn to Isaiah chapter 61 Uh, I'm going to read in just a few moments verses 1 through 3 but I have a few verses I want to share with you and I will eventually get to them in just a few moments but today we're talking about this idea that the world that we live in is an ugly place would you not agree with that I mean some of the sweaters that we've got on today they're just downright ugly you know, some of them are not that ugly. Some of them, you know, are kind of pretty. But the, but the reality is, is that we would not want to wear them every day of our lives, would we? We'd like to get back to our normal clothes and, and uh, move in this earth in our normal way. But there's a lot of ugliness in the world that we live in today. All you have to do is look around, listen to the news. Uh, go to Walmart. That's an ugly place. I mean, you go to Walmart at this time of the year. Uh, I wonder about your sanity. I really do. Have you ever gone like on a Saturday? And when you checked out and got in the car, you took a minute to take a few deep breaths and you said, "Why on earth did I go to Walmart on a Saturday at Christmas time? I must be an idiot." You know, there, there, there are so many ugly, ugly things. When you think about our political environment right now, to be very honest, there's not a whole lot of positivity in the process of our political uh, outcomes. Uh, So much negativity, so much political rhetoric that just makes you want to just throw the TV in the floor and never watch the news again. It's just pitiful, it really is that we Uh, We don't have leaders, it seems, in our nation and in our state even sometimes that can be civil with one another and have a good conversation about things that need to be discussed. But it's not just in the world. It can sometimes creep into our own homes where you find yourself sometimes at war with those that you really do love, but there are days that you really don't like them very much. You know what I'm saying? Because there's ugliness in the relationship. And so ugly just seems to be prevalent in our lives. And then there are times that we go to the doctor and we get reports from him or her. And they, they tell us that uh, you know, that there's something that's not exactly the way that it should be. And our thoughts are ugly. I don't, I don't know about you, but it, sometimes we always tend to want to think of the worst. But sometimes we need to, in fact all the time, we need to expect the best and believe that no matter what happens, that God is on our side, that he is our portion in the land of the living, that he is our divine healer, and he is able to heal us. By his stripes we are healed. But sometimes the ugly thoughts tend to take over the positive thoughts and the beautiful thoughts. So there's a lot of ugly in the world if you go to scripture you'll see a lot of ugly from the very time that sin entered the earth there's been a lot of ugly things going on I mean there's been murders from the very beginning it seems like of time where people fought with one another and killed one another in order to gain their own uh, agenda and so it's ugly you, you go to people like Job, who in chapter 2, uh, we see is a man who at one time is considered the most righteous man on the face of the earth. He has been blessed abundantly. He has more crops and, and, and flocks and a great family. And then all of a sudden, the enemy comes in and takes everything away. I mean, in, in just a matter of a few hours... Everything that he had been blessed with was taken away from him. And now, in Scripture, a lot of times, in fact, most of the times, we see that uh, when there is difficulty that people are being faced with, then they, they would mourn in a way that was very visible to everyone else. The Scripture says that they would rip their clothing and they would sit in a pile of ashes. And that was a visible statement to those who are around them that I have gotten news that is not good. I am mourning. And the way that I am mourning is by ripping my clothing to say that I am no longer complete. I am incomplete. There is something that has been torn in my life. And so I will sit here in these ashes and I will mourn my losses. And in chapter 2 in the book of Job, we see Job doing exactly that as he is laying and sitting upon the ashes. And on one occasion it says that he has taken a piece of broken pottery and he is scraping his skin because of the disease that has come upon him. It was an ugly picture painted in scripture. And then we go to someone like Daniel, who has really done nothing wrong. He's just serving the Lord. But there were those who did not like the fact that he was serving Jehovah God. And so they threw him in a den of lions. How many of you know there's a difference between a lion's den and a den of lions? There's a big difference. They threw him in a den of lions. All because he was worshiping God and at one point we see a picture of him as he is tearing his clothes and he is seated upon ashes to let everyone know that I did not anticipate this I did not expect this I would have never asked for this but unfortunately these circumstances have come upon me and therefore I am mourning by sitting in in ashes and I am wearing sackcloth on my body and then we go further in scripture and we see a young lady by the name of Tamar she is David King David's daughter and everything is good you would think if anybody was safe that she would be one who would be safe that she would be all right. that the king would take care of her but she had a half-brother by the name of Amnon who came in and caught her in a moment when they were alone and he abused her he raped her and in a matter of minutes he changed her life forever and the next time that we see tamar she is seated in a pile of ashes in sackcloth having torn her garment her royal garment that was given to her by her daddy the king of Israel it was an ugly ugly event in scripture and I would say that there are women all around the world and in some instances men as well who can relate to the abuse and the thing that happened to Tamar because it has happened to you and you have felt even though you have not physically set in ashes And you have not physically pulled your clothes and ripped them and torn them. You can feel the anguish of that terrible, ugly situation that has happened in your life. For some of you that sit under my voice today, you've known what abuse is since the day that you were born. Because you were born into a family where abuse happened on a regular basis. Now I hope that you'll hang with me today today, and not just think about the difficulty and the things that happened to you because in just a few moments I'm going to tell you about one who came to take our ashes and turn them into something very beautiful. But we have to acknowledge that this is a very ugly world. There's another example, David himself, as he's returning from a battle to the city of Ziklag. And you remember the story, while they were gone in the battle, another warring nation came in and they kidnapped all of their wives and their children and they burned their homes and burned their houses. They destroyed their land. Everything that they had or owned was gone. And when David and the warriors returned and saw it, the Bible says uh, that David fell on his face, and he tore his clothes, and he sat in ashes, and he mourned the loss of his family and his resources. Again, a very, very ugly situation. Some of you are feeling very uncomfortable today. Because we have learned that at this time of the year, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, is some of the most difficult days that people live. Because when others are celebrating and enjoying the season, for others it is a time that brings back very ugly memories. It brings back things that we'd rather not think about. It brings back things that have affected our lives and for for some of us have affected us for years and years and years and years. And so there is ugliness for us to have to deal with. Now again, I don't want to show hands. I don't want you to lift your hands or anything, but I simply want to ask today, How many of you have experienced some ugly things in your lifetime? How many may be experiencing even now some ugly things that if you had the choice you would love for those ugly things to go away? You would love for those ugly things to be transformed by the power of God. The good news for you today is that God knows about the ugliness that has touched your life. God knows and is fully aware of every ugly thing that you are dealing with today. And he has made preparation for you to turn your ugliness into something beautiful as you learn to trust him with it. He didn't just start making preparation. He's been making preparation for a long, long time. In fact, the second thing that I want to tell you about is not just the problem, which is the ugliness of this world, but I want to tell you that long ago there started being these predictions that there would be one who would come. Who would take this upside down world and turn it right side up. There would be a Messiah who would come. And when this Messiah would come, he would transform this world. And our ugliness would become beautiful. Isaiah was one of the prophets that he spoke through. He was one of the ones that he, that he gave a glimpse of what would happen. And so in Isaiah chapter 61, if you'd turn there with me real quick, beginning at verse one, it says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now, keep in mind that he's not talking about himself here. He is predicting one that would come. He is prophesying about the future. He didn't really know when, but he knew by the Spirit of God that something was going to happen that would change our circumstances and change this world. And so he says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. To bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. Isn't that good? To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint and heavy spirit, so that they may be called oaks or trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Now listen, you've read and you've heard this passage of Scripture for many, many years and no doubt many, many times. I probably won't be able to add anything new to the mix today. But I want to remind you of something that we see very clearly in this passage of Scripture. And it is this. When God gets involved and offers us a remedy to our ugliness, it always requires an exchange it means that i must be willing to take something off in order to put on the beauty that god has provided for me so when he says that i am binding up the brokenhearted i'm bringing good news to the poor then we have to be willing to put the bad news aside in order to accept the good news that he has for us When he says that he is going to grant for us who have been sitting in ashes a beautiful headdress... Then we must be willing to put away the ashes in order to pick up on the beauty. When he says that I'm going to give you the oil of gladness, instead of mourning, we must be willing to stop mourning in order to anoint ourselves with the gladness of God. When he says that I'm going to give you a garment of praise instead of the heaviness of your ugliness, We've got to be willing to take off the heaviness and take off the sadness and take off the difficulty and take off the ugly sweater in order to put on the garment of praise. It's so much easier, though, to complain, isn't it? And it's so much easier to talk about our difficulties and... It's so much easier to talk about our sicknesses and our disease, and it's so much easier to talk about our marriage that is crumbling and going south. It's so much easier for us to talk about the difficulties that we experience at work, and it's so much easier for us to talk about the politicians and their ugly rhetoric, and it's so much easier for us to talk about the heaviness because there are so many people around us that can relate to that heaviness, they can relate to that ugliness, they can relate to those difficulties because they have it in their life as well. But I'm here to tell you today that the difference between the ugliness of the world and the ugliness that comes into the life of a Christian is that the ugliness that affects us is always temporary. And it has to leave when we call upon the name of our Savior. Amen. So you may be going through some ugly things today. You may be going through some hardship. But let me tell you, if God is on your side and He is, Tell me who in the world can be against us. Amen. Amen. Ugliness. Thank God for the predictions. Now I want to point out a part of this scripture that we oftentimes just move quickly through. But I want to bring it to your attention today. It says, so that they might be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified listen God doesn't get any glory when we just walk around in our ugliness when we maintain and keep our ugly attitudes when we maintain and keep our ugly circumstances when we refuse to walk away from those things that are producing ugliness in us God doesn't receive any glory in that if you have any trees in your yard or bushes you know that sometimes they get a branch on them that die out. And even though the rest of the tree might be beautiful, there's ugliness in the middle of the beautiful tree. And the only way to change that circumstance is to pull that ugliness out of the tree. To cut it out and to move it away. Sometimes the ugliness has broken off from the tree and is laying in your yard. And you look at it and you say, that is an ugly branch laying in my yard. Listen, the only way to get rid of it is to cut it up and move it away. You can burn it up. You can drag it away. But you've got to move the ugly dead branch if you're going to restore beauty to your job, your yard. Now listen, some of us just need to remove the ugliness from our lives and replace it with what God has for us. You know what he'd rather you be? He doesn't want you to be that dead branch laying in the yard. No, He wants you to be a tree of righteousness. He wants you to be an oak. He he wants you to be a strong individual because of the power and the strength of God that lives and dwells within you. Oh, He doesn't want you laying and just, Oh, I I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I have enough strength to be able to make this or not. No, He wants to heal you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to restore unto you the joy of His salvation. He wants you to stand with your shoulders square as an oak, a tree of righteousness. Why? Is it so that you can brag about yourself and say, look at me, I have overcome? I have done it. No, the Bible says it's so that he might be glorified in us. Amen. So when we square our shoulders uh, and we lift our hands in praise uh, and we clap our hands in victory, it's not to draw attention to ourselves, uh, but it is to take attention uh, that is rightfully His uh, and distribute it to those who are all around us. Amen. I told you last week that part of the grace of God, the Christmas grace, is because he wants us to be beautiful so that when he presents us to himself that he will smile and he will say that's my child I got that child from where they were to where they are today. It is by my grace that they are saved. It is by my grace that they are beautiful. It is by my grace that they have become everything that I intended them to be. Welcome that child into my presence. Beautiful in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Whenever our time comes, Jesus is not going to be saying, well... Thank God they made it. I was beginning to wonder, you know, they've been such a bad boy and a bad girl. No, he's going to be standing there waiting, clapping his hands, saying, You made it. By my grace, you made it. I'm proud of you, my son. I'm proud of you, my child. I want you to know that you were faithful. And because you were faithful, you can enter into my presence. And in this situation, he's saying... I want some oak trees living. I want people to look and say, I don't know how they're as strong as they are. I don't know how in the world that they can be strong and they can be full of energy and full of vigor and full of life. They've been through so many ugly things. But listen, through the power of Almighty God, through the coming of Jesus, He's given us the power and the ability to stand strong in Him. Amen. We can defeat... Our ugliness. Isaiah predicted it. He said there's going to be an exchange. He's going to give you a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. He's going to make it, give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. He's going to cause you to become a tree, an oak tree of righteousness. So that when people look at you, they're going to realize how good God is. That's what I want out of my life. I don't care if people think, oh, he was a great pastor and he led well and he did this great and that great and all those. I want people to look at me and say God was awesome in his life. God brought him through every ugly thing that he ever faced in his life. And because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was successful and brought glory to God. Amen. I want to bring glory to God, don't you? Don't you? Amen. And then there's one other thing I want to bring to you this morning, and then I'll close. I want you to take your Bibles and look over to Luke chapter 4 and verses 16 through 20. And John's going to put up verses 18 and 19 because I want to bring them to your attention says, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah, we just read in chapter 61. You remember what he said? Keep that fresh in your mind. Gave Jesus the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he enrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written the spirit of the lord god is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the lord's favor and after he spoke this it says he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You know what he's saying? He's saying what what Isaiah predicted and prophesied all those years ago. He said, you are looking at the fulfillment of that prophecy. Right before your very eyes today. You have heard the voice of the promise that was given. I am the promise. He was telling them, I am the promise. I am the prediction. I am the fulfillment of the prophecy. You don't have to look any further. You don't have to look any more. Because you can know that I am the one that Isaiah... And by the way, the other prophets prophesied about as well. I am the promise. Aren't you glad today that when Jesus came into this world in Bethlehem so many years ago... He wasn't just a normal, ordinary little child in a manger. He was the Son of God. He was the promise to the world. He was the one that God sent to to take away the ugliness of this world. Aren't you thankful for that? Come help me quit if you will. Turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 9 through 13. I want to read one more passage of Scripture to you. And here's the reason I want us to talk about this. You see, what he tells us in Ecclesiastes is very important. Because if you're like me, sometimes we want God to give us his time frame as to when he's going to deal with the ugliness in our lives. We, we want to know when's it going to happen. Are you going to heal me today? Am I going to get a good report from the doctor tomorrow? Uh, is my marriage going to be repaired today? I want to know when. I want to know how. I want to know where. I want to know. And Can I tell you that sometimes when we become impatient with God's process, that in those days times of impatience our anxiety builds and let me tell you anxiety does not boost faith anxiety doubt will destroy faith in fact the Bible tells us that if we doubt that we should not think that we'll receive anything from the Lord Instead, we must be people of faith. We must believe that if God said it, he'll do it. Now, let me just be honest with you today. God doesn't always do what you ask him to do in the way that you think he ought to do it. Sometimes God says, will you trust me? In fact, all the time, God says... Will you trust me? And there are circumstances and ugliness in our lives that sometimes causes us to doubt more than we believe. Let me tell you today, the answer for your issues and your problems and your ugliness is in your faith and in your belief that God will, in His time, do what needs to be done in my life look over at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 9 through 13 Ecclesiastes 3 verses 9 through 13 it says what gain has the worker from his toil I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with he has made everything say everything He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. For this is God's gift to man. You know what he's telling us there? The time for you to rejoice is in the middle of your difficulty. We want to wait till the answer Has manifested in our lives we want to wait to give him thanks for healing until the healing has come we want to wait to give him thanks for restoring the love to our marriage we can't wait until that happens we have to rejoice now you see we have two choices we can put our ugly sweaters on and we can sit in the ashes some of you didn't know I could still cross my legs did you nanny nanny boo boo you know when I just sit in my ashes I get a lot of looks from people don't you Poor soul. Boy, they've had it rough. They're going through some difficult stuff. Their family's falling apart. Their marriage is crumbling. Their finances are bad. It's bad for them, bless their little, as Minnie Pearl used to say, pea picking hearts. I don't even know what that means, really. But when we draw the attention to ourselves and our clothing is ripped and our ashes are obvious, all that does is draw attention to ourselves. You know, we don't sit in ashes anymore. At least I hope you don't. Maybe some of you keep a pile of ashes in your backyard just in case you need to sit in them. We don't sit in our ashes much anymore. Keep our ashes on our face. We frown. We talk as though we're discouraged and we're defeated. We live our lives in such a way that God's not being glorified through the way that we're living. It's not because we're sinners. It's because we haven't learned how to trust the promise of God that says, I will make everything beautiful in its time. So what do I do in the meantime? Do I just maintain my place in my ashes? Do I just frown? Do I worry? Do I Google all of my symptoms? Do I do all those things? that only bring attention to my circumstances and my brokenness and my ugliness or do I somehow find a way to get up off of the ashes and so although there's ugliness all around me I can tell you there's no ugliness in my soul and there's no ugliness in my spirit Where ugliness ought to be, it has been replaced by faith. Because I know that my God is working on my behalf. He says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. And they should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of the toil. And because we are able to do that, we can say, this is God's gift to me. In the midst of the doctor's reports, I can still stand in faith. In the midst of my broken family and home, I can still rejoice in Him. In the midst of my memories from years ago, when I was abused and taken advantage of, I can stand today knowing that I can rejoice in God because He has given me the ability to do that. Prayer team, will you come this morning and position yourself today? You know, we wore these ugly sweaters today just for fun. Just to delight our soul. Just to help us to laugh a little bit and to have a good time. But the reality is that lying beneath these ugly sweaters for some of you today is a pile of ugliness that the devil has brought into your lives. Now I'm not going to ask you to take your ugly sweater off today because I don't know if you have on anything underneath your sweater. So let's keep our ugly sweaters on for the time being. But what I do want to say to you today is that God wants you to exchange today the spirit of heaviness that you've carried for such a long time. God wants you to exchange the mourning that you've carried in your life and in your circumstance and anoint yourself with the oil of gladness and let the oil of gladness seep into the pores of your skin and get into your soul and into your spirit. The last few years, I've been growing one of these beautiful beards. I can't grow one like Greg Jackson or John Medcraft. Or What's your name, Derek? Paul, I guess the older you get, the less you'll be able to do those kinds of things. But every now and then, I get something in my beard that doesn't smell just exactly good. I don't know if you guys do that or not. You know, you can put little kernels of corn back on the side, side, and if you need a snack later, you can just pull it out and. If you don't wash your face on a regular basis, if you don't keep your beard cleansed, it can cause sores on your face and little bumps and things like that. And and your wife may not want to kiss you because it kind of doesn't smell real good. But they've come up with this product that's called beard oil. You can take that beard oil and you can put it in your beard you smooth it down and makes it feel nicer. Make your wife want to come by and go like this and go ooh la la. Make it smell better, make it feel better, keep your face feeling good. You have to be willing to put the oil on it and let it seep in and do the work. That's what I'm telling you about the oil of joy. You've got to take advantage of it so that it can do the work that it needs to do. We're going to pray for you today, those of you who have ugly circumstances in your life. Listen, it would be, for some of you, easier to stay in your seat and say, I don't want anybody to know that I've got ugliness in my life, but listen, we've all either got ugliness in our life or we've had ugliness in our lives, but we stand today by faith in the joy of the Lord and what He's done for us. When we were driving to church this morning, my wife looked out the window on the right and the left, and we're driving down what normally is a very beautiful street, lots of Christmas lights and decorations. But all of their Santas were deflated. And all of their angels were taking a nap. And all of the blow-ups had all the air taken out of them. And all of the lights had ugly extension cords running to them. And She looked at me and she said, those lights are ugly in the daytime. She said, it doesn't matter how pretty they look at other times, in the daytime they're ugly. She said, but when it is darkest outside, the lights shine and produce the most beautiful sight. And when the light shines the brightest is often when it is the darkest outside she said use that in your sermon today tell them that I said that when things are dark all around you that if you'll plug into the power and light your circumstance up in the darkest moment the light will shine forth what a word from your pastor's wife today In your darkest moment, plug yourself into the power. God will light your dark.